Well, good morning and welcome to First Church. We are so glad to worship with you today. If you are new with us this morning, uh, my name is Andrew. This is my wife, uh, Simone, and we are so glad <laughs> that you are here. If you have your Bibles, your cell phones, your iPads, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. As you are turning there, let me finally <laughs> introduce you to our brand new sermon series called Invisible War. Say it with me. Invisible, Invisible War. War. Uh, visible War. What we are doing in this sermon series is taking a good look at the invisible war inside each and every one of us. Our key verse for this series is in Ephesians 6, verse 12. And this says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the humbly realms. For our struggle Paul says, is not against flesh and blood. You see, we're talking about spiritual warfare and invisible war inside of us. We are not talking about enemies, neighbors, governments, nations in the physical realm. God loves people and he wants everyone to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and it's eternally with him. It's not human people that we are struggling against. It's spirit-centered. It's not human-centered. It's spirit-centered. Today, we are starting out our series by looking at Ephesians 6, by looking at the weaponry, the spiritual armor of God. So starting on verse 12, I'm going to turn my mic on. Um, <laughs> our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm, then, with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, we have a helper uh, who is going to is, uh, illustrate us, uh, for us, the modern day terms of spiritual 
warfare. So Kylie, uh, can you come up? Uh, uh, getting you, Kylie Cunningham, a round of applause. As, he, uh, he, um, as she comes up, the enemy wants to strip us of this armor, the weaponry of God. And he does that in a variety of ways. Fear, worry, doubt, anxiety, pride, arrogance, self-righteousness, complacency, even sexual immorality. And the list goes on and on. And we will get to that, uh, those in the coming weeks. But there is one thing that often doesn't make the list. But it was uh, so important to watch out for. And that is impatience. Impatience. Between verse 11 and verse 14, there are four clear statements to stand. Not to run, not to walk, not to crawl, not to jump, but to stand. It reminds me of a few years ago when all Lucas wanted to do was jump out of the bed and into my arms. Out of the bed and into my arms. It was so very cute. Uh, the first hundred times, <laughs> and then not so cute. So I told him three more jumps, and that's it. No more jumping. He jumped again, and I said two more jumps, and that's it. No more jumping. He jumped again, <laughs> one more jump, and that's it. No more jumping. Uh, he jumped again, and I said, that's all, no more jumping. But Lucas uh, didn't believe me, <laughs> so he jumped again. Now, <laughs> a nice dad <laughs> would have caught him <laughs> and then explained to him uh, what he did wrong. <laughs> but in those days, <laughs> I was not a nice dad. <laughs> so he jumps <laughs> And I just kind of stood there and he, until he face planted on the floor. <laughs> Down goes Lucas. <laughs> and so that this was several years ago. And Lucas couldn't jump very high. And there is carpet to uh, cushion is low. But still, why didn't you catch me? Lucas said between sobs. It was pitiful. Extremely pitiful. I felt so bad. But he never did that again. <laughs> and uh, though the Lord is eternally more patient than I am, there are still times in which the Lord says, okay, have it your way. And the impatience gets the better of us. And we jump ahead of God. I know what God wants regarding this job, so I know what God wants regarding this relationship, so I know what God wants regarding our marriage or regarding our kids or regarding our financial situations, so I'm just going to go ahead and 
<laughs> and that wasn't what God wanted at all. And like Lucas, we face plant on the floor. We cry out to God, why didn't you catch us? But for those that are wise, we never do that again. The Lord says to stand. That's it. To stand. Not to run, not to walk, not to crawl, but to stand. Maintaining what Christ has already done for us. So, you know, he began talking about the natural way in which we sometimes approach life. But there's a supernatural way in which we can come deal with situations in life. And they require some preparation. Now, Kylie is an experienced softball, softball or baseball? Softball player, and she's wonderful at it. So she's going to demonstrate how, how our preparation works. But, you know, no one plays softball uh, without knowing the rules of engagement. And in the same way, in the same way, no one enters into uh, you know spiritual situations without duly being prepared and equipped. Just as Andrew said, we must stand. We stand on the truth of God. We stand on what Christ did for us. But now we must take our stance against the enemy's schemes. So you see, it's not like Christ said it's finished. Now you know I have purchased your victory. Everything is gonna be fine. We are in a battle. We are in the world. He warned us. He said, as long as you're in the world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome. And when he says it is finished, we come from that position. That we have been given the authority, the power to overcome. But we must take now our stance. Our stance against the enemy schemes. And so the first thing that we must do is put our belt of truth. Now, here's the thing, how it, like how it works for softball, right? The belt is not the most important tool or a you know, piece of equipment that you have. But in the spiritual armor, it is the most absolute important tool you will have as you fight in the spiritual realms. Why? Well, let's uh, consider what a, a Roman soldier would look like with a belt, the belt actually held the entire armor in place, just like it's holding up your pants in place, right? And so <laughs> the, entire, the entire armor was held by the belt. The belt had also a place where the shield could be placed and another spot in the back for the spear. So the belt, without the belt, there was no place for the shield and there was no place for the spear. And then the whole armor would fall off. In the same way, truth is what sets us free. And what keeps us free. That's why buckling our lives with the truth of God through his word and through what he says we are is fundamental in knowing who we are and how to fight when the arrows begin to come. You know, just the other day, I was, uh, I was uh, thinking about a situation in the past and the enemy began to kind of make me feel, you know, uh, disheartened about that situation. And feelings of guilt began to surface. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, the word says I am a new creature, a new creation, a new creature. There's now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. I have been set free by the blood of the Lamb. And as, you, as soon as you begin to reflect on the truth, on the word of God, on who he says you are, boy, the arrows begin to fall off. And that is what truth does. Knowing who you are and whose you are will set you free. And that's why the, buck, the, the belt of truth is the most important piece in this equipment. 
Uh, second, uh, the breastplate of righteousness in place. The breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is worn right above the belt, covering their vital organs. Much the same way, the breastplate of righteousness, right standing or uprightness before God, is given to the believer. And the Christian is filled with courage, knowing that he is protected by the righteousness of Christ and in Christ. The enemy, knowing this, uh, causes us to doubt our own righteousness. Uh, 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 The example is, uh, look at you. Do you think that someone with your kind of past can start fresh again? You're not a Christian. (laughs) Look at what you did yesterday. Uh, You're a disgrace. I can't even look at you in knowing your shameful past. And that is why it was so important to be in the Bible, to be in prayer every single day. Because it is not what the enemy says about you that matters. It's what God says about you that matters. Uh, Let me say it again because that is really good preaching. Amen? (laughs) (laughs) I uh, uh, I lost my place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not what the enemy says about you that matters. It's what God says about you that matters. Uh, That's why, but I'm feeling under attack. I go to the Bible. Especially passages is like one, uh, Psalm 103. And I read this. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Amen. Who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. Amen. Hallelujah. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us <laughs> as far as the east is from the west so far as he removed our transgressions from us it's not what the enemy says about you that matters it's what god says about you that matters it what god says about you that you are in christ you are in new creation the old has gone the new has come the breast plate of righteousness in place right standing our uprightness uh, in christ amen amen the next one uh, according to the list we've been reading is the feet or the shoes of peace right we must be uh we must have our feet fitted with a gospel of peace now she's going to put some uh, shin guards here to protect herself right but if you look at her shoes those shoes are not like what the the roman soldier would wear a Roman soldier in the armor would actually have uh, a shoes that were that had spikes, like about one to three inches. Okay, and this is an, an interesting um, concept for us to think about. Why would Paul choose the shoes to say we must be fitted with the shoes of peace if they have spikes in them? Doesn't doesn't look like peace at all. But if you think about it. You see, whenever a soldier would be in, in, in a fight or battling, it, it was usually an unlevel ground. And those spikes would help him to get even. And this is what peace does as a weapon. Whenever there's conflict and some situation arises in our lives, it is peace and humility that dismantle the works of the enemy. 
So when somebody comes against you and says something rude about you or to you, then whenever you pronounce a word of peace, see, it, it loses effect. It does not land anywhere. There's absolutely nothing that, that that word has power over you because you came with the shoes of peace. And that was, that's why we must wear those shoes every single day as we approach uh, situations, especially in this world of so much conflict around us. Romans 10 says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. This can only be done as we allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse us, as we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, as we allow our hearts to go deeper and lower so that his peace remains and abides in us. This is not humanly possible without his intervention. None of us are born being saints. <laughs> we must be made in his image and likeness. And as we get a hold of his peace, then it becomes almost second nature. Not, we, we must work at it. That's why we must wear it. Okay, it's not a part of our human nature. We must wear it every single day as we go deeper and lower in the life of the Spirit, in the life of the Word of God. The next one is the shield of faith. And this one is, uh, is represented actually by the glove. Good job, Kylie. She's doing so good. She's going to be playing the tournament right after she's dressed up with her equipment. But the shield of faith. It's so important in our spiritual lives and also in our daily lives because, you see, the enemy is very astute. He always comes with arrows of discouragement. They're always with the Ds. Doubt, depression, discouragement, deception. Oh, all these things that he throws at you. And if you buy into them, boo, you come crumbling down. Okay, but that's why you got to have that glove and catch those arrows okay you gotta catch them so that they don't get to you okay and that's exactly what the shield of faith does whenever we begin to see at life the way god sees it our faith increases and it is faith that can then overcome those attacks of doubt and deception and all the other stuff i mentioned so as we begin to see god and see the situations from his perspective we are able to catch the flaming arrows of the enemy. Fifth, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. The helmet was worn to protect the head, protect the brain, which I, um, I, I understand that is the most vital part, uh, uh, the, uh, part of the body. Uh, the same way uh, the, um, uh, your mind direct the use of all the other parts of the shield the sword the feet everything your mind is the battleground between the flesh and the spirit it all begins and ends with the mind that's right that's right and so then we next we have the sword of the spirit represented by the bat now we have a tool that can actually do something <laughs> against the opponent, right? And then we have the sword of the spirit, which is, spiritually speaking, the word of God. Okay, and this, rep this, is, um, this defends us and helps us advance. Every time that Jesus was tempted by the enemy, his response was always the same. It is written. It is written. It is written. That's how he overcame the temptations. It's knowing the word of God. It's bringing back into remembrance that which you know to be true. And that is the sword of the spirit. That is what allows you now to advance, okay, and to conquer the enemy's strategies against you. 
It is the word that provides a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, and a guiding light when we walk through the valleys of shadow and death. Finally, we have one more. Um, it's not explicit, explicit here in the passage of Ephesians 6, but Paul alludes to it because he says in verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. In the armor of a, of a Roman soldier, there were actually seven, not six, pieces of, of, of equipment. He had a lance in the back or a spear. And this is what helped him, you know, make <laughs> strides against the opponent. And this is represented by the ball. Do you have the ball with you? Wonderful. Because you see, this is what prayer does. I, I could talk about a lot of different kinds of prayer. Paul himself says, and pray in the spirit with all kinds of prayer. But in spiritual warfare, whenever we are under attack or whenever we want to release someone else who is under attack, the only prayer that will make, um, that will score points and take our territory back is intercession. Intercession, as a, not just personal, but as a community, allows us a vehicle by which God can now move into that person's life. That's why we prioritize prayer so, more, so much in this church, because it is the only thing that can bring strongholds down, that can begin to pull strongholds down and begin to release God's presence into a life, into a situation. That's why we pray. Otherwise, we would just wait upon God with, you know, just waiting for him to move. And he's like, but I know that you believe in me. If you believe, then cooperate with what I want to do. If you believe, then do something about it. Come and seek me. Come and pray and intercede with, with power, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Paul himself believes so much in the power of prayer that he says, and pray for me. Pray for me. It is fundamental. Every morning, we call the church to pray, 830 in the morning. We gather here, about 10 people of us, praying, interceding on behalf of the community, on behalf of, of the church, on behalf of individuals who need salvation, who need a breakthrough, who need the mind of Christ for their situations, who need healing. We believe that God can do it. So if we believe, let us walk with him in that promise. And, uh, and another thing is, is uh, Wednesday nights, prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. We just don't simply pray. We hear from God. We are strengthened in our spirit. We can go on despite whatever comes our way. Listen, it, it, it's not a magical thing. It's not a magic pill. But if you cooperate with what God has presented in his word, he can give you the victory for your whatever situation you're facing. You don't have to be depressed and anxious, even though that could, that could be a part of, of your genetic makeup. And, and with counseling and other situations, God can help bring you a breakthrough. But prayer is fundamental, is foundational in bringing victory to your specific situation. So cooperate with what God already wants to do in you. Now, maybe you're like, you know, I've been praying and praying and praying and nothing happens. Well, prayer, again, is not about getting our answer. It's cooperating with what he wants to do. is releasing everything into his hand. Intercession is praying for someone else on behalf of somebody, something, a, a situation. And praying for a move of God. Praying for revival. Praying for God to break in. Praying for God to heal. Praying for God to do the miraculous. And so that is why we believe and we come before him every single day praying that God will do his work in his way, in his time. We commit it. We surrender it. That's our portion. But we must be fully equipped to fight our spiritual battle because we are in an invisible war. Amen. Amen. Uh, hasn't she done great? <laughs> yeah. Give her a round of applause. Excellent works. Excellent works. In conclusion, 
I want you to remember this. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's our key thought for the series. Here it is. Spiritual warfare is not chasing after the enemy. Spiritual warfare is chasing after Jesus. <laughs> Spiritual warfare is not taking after the enemy. Spiritual warfare is chasing after Jesus. He's not looking for the enemy everywhere. It's not the enemy hiding under every bush. It's not that at all. Spiritual warfare is drawing ever closer to Jesus. <laughs> so that nothing can get between you Amen. and him. Amen. Spiritual warfare is chasing after Jesus. My wife and I love to spend the closing minutes of Lucas's day with him. We read a book, we take off his glasses, we turn out the light. But the most important thing that we do is we get to pray together. We always ask, Lucas, what do you want to pray for? And the answer is almost always the same. Mommy, Daddy, Sophia, Lucas, and Fofa. Fofa is our dog. And uh, <laughs> one time, as we're going through all the regulars, he paused through about three seconds and then said, and Scott, and Scott, so <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know what you have going on that night, Scott, but Lucas was praying for you. <laughs> and then about once or twice a week, I'll ask Lucas if he wants to pray. I love hearing little children pray, don't you? The power, there's power in the prayers of children. And this is how Lucas prayed. Jesus, please help my daddy to get feeling better soon. Please help my daddy to get feeling better soon. And I don't know about you, but I can hear my son pray that all day long. The simple childlike prayer. And when it comes down to it, there are times when I don't know how to pray or what to pray for. And in those cases, I pray a simple prayer. Jesus, help me. Help me. I don't know how to be a good father. I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know how to be a good son or a good mother, a good wife, a good child, a good friend. Let up to me. I know that I could let you and everybody rest around me down. So I need your help. Jesus, make me clean. Make me holy. Holy as you are holy. Make the Holy Spirit alive in me. Hallelujah. I give you my all. Yes, Heart, yes, soul, Hallelujah. mind, and strength. I give you my all. 
I am back, uh, gonna invite all of us to stand. Uh, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. As Pastor uh, Don plays, in just a moment, if you have family here, a husband, a wife, a parent, a child, a grandkid, grandma, grandpa, the whole family, I am going to ask you, all of you, to gather together in prayer right now while you are seated and pray for one another. If you don't have family here, grab a friend, a grad and acquaintance, join in with another family as no one prays alone. We are making a commitment to one another that we would do this together. We would do this together. When someone is weak, the whole church should lift them up. When someone falls into sin, the whole church should ask God for their redemption. When someone needs prayer, the whole church should fall on their knees. Let's put on the spiritual armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when the day of hardship comes, the day of trial and sensations come, we may be able to stand our ground. And after we have done everything, to stand. Let's uh, come into the throne room together and ask God to have his way in our lives in 2019, the year of restoration. As Don plays, get together with your friends, your family, and close this service calling out to God. Yes, 